Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Thank you so much for tuning back into another segment on GEMS Podcast. With me is my special guest, Margaret Mary O'Connor. And here's a bit about Margaret. Margaret Mary O'Connor has a Bachelor's of Science degree from the University of Buffalo and a Master's of Art in Pastoral Ministry from Christ the King Seminary in East Aurora, New York. She is a former chaplain and currently is a Eucharistic minister at Our Lady of Charity Parish in Buffalo, New York. She literally walks a walk on picket lines to help keep the issues of women ordination and church accountability on the priest's sexual abuse issue at the forefront of any Catholic's attention. As a fellow member of the lady, of the laity herself, she believes any Catholic deserves at minimal, at least the truth from Rome. She is a member of Call to Action, Future Church, Women's Ordination Conference, Roman Catholic Women Priests, and SNAP, which is Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. Buffalo Central Terminal, Preservation Buffalo, Niagara, Western New York, Land Conservancy. She also enjoys gardening, Pilates, and reading mystery books. And without further ado, please welcome the woman behind it all, Margaret Mary O'Connor to GEMS Podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Jens. I really appreciate it. This is wonderful. My pleasure, Margaret. And before we dive into your book and some of the work that you're doing on the forefront, I definitely want to start with a way to connect you more to the audience. So we have two options I'd like to do. One, break the ice up front or two, a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? I think I'll do break the ice. Okie dokie, we're breaking the ice with Genesis and Margaret. (laughs) So I want you to share something crazy that you've done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Well, um, I had a really interesting uh, paranormal experience and I was working part-time in a cleaning position several years ago. And all I knew about paranormal then was like ghost, boo. Uh, But what happened was it was my first day in the job and the man I was working with, he had to do the auditorium stage. And he asked me specifically, uh, I would be out in the foyer, you know, he'd have the doors open to the auditorium if I could mop that area because there were spirits uh, in the auditorium. And of course, not knowing anything, I... I'm out there mapping and I found it very amusing. But I only wish I knew about this because I would have had several questions uh, to ask him. But anyway, the night went on. And finally, at the end of this one hallway, I was working in a mansion, which uh, turned into, they used it now as a school for classrooms. 
And I'm on, on the second floor and, and I heard at the very end of the hallway was a library. But originally years ago in the 20s, that was a ballroom. So the more I thought of it, I thought, well, when, as soon as I get in that library, you know, unlock the door, I'm just going to stand there and maybe try to, you know, imagine what this would be like back in the 20s. So I'm standing there situating myself, looking all around. And all of a sudden, I've never had an experience like this. There was some type of presence surrounding me. And it wasn't a good presence. Well, lo and behold, by the time I got through my work there, which was very quickly, you can imagine the narrow uh, library aisles, and I had my vacuum cleaner. I was basically at a gallop <laughs> up and down and, you know, uh, took care of the waste paper baskets and, and a little uh, dusting. But as soon as I left the library, you know, stood outside in the hallway, everything was back to normal. But that one experience really piqued my curiosity. And then we had a... Um, central terminal that has been vacated since back near 1980. And that uh, has been on several of like the travel channel ghost stories. Um, and I watched, um, no matter if it's the dead files or ghost hunters, kindred spirits. Anyway, I just find it very fascinating, that subject area. Wow. And thank you for sharing that because, yeah, there are, you know, bad spirits that tend to follow you. And then there's also the good spirits, which are maybe someone that has passed on in your life that comes as a guardian angel to just kind of cover you. So thank you for sharing that um, fun. Well, in this case, more so interesting fact uh, about what you went um, witnessed and endured because nothing was fun about coming into contact with a bad spirit. So let's segue into our segment. And we're going to spend some time talking about your book, the first one, which is Scandal in the Shadows, the original priest, Mother Mary. So I want you to hold up your book and walk us through first, the reason why you picked the name of the book and the cover. Yes. Uh, the reason I, I picked the name of this book is to many of your listeners, this is going to seem unbelievable, but it is factual information. This is Mother Mary, Jesus's mother, and she was a woman priest. Zoom and out a bit once uh, so we could see the scandal in the shadows, but I just want to get the full um, outlay of the book so the audience can see it. The ones okay. who, uh, Just pull it back a little bit, uh, Margaret. Okay, yes, and then hold it up just a tad bit higher. Okay, perfect, there you go. And this is Mother Mary to give you an idea, and obviously she is in, in priestly attire, and this comes from an 11th century uh, mosaic. Wow, and what made you pick the cover of the book? Was it just something that you were drawn to or did you work on it with the illustrator just to paint the... Uh, the uh, this was my idea of having a picture of Mary, Mother of God, on um, my book <clears throat> so that obviously when people read it, they'll know more that it, it does involve Mary, Mother of God, but... If you're a Catholic, you've never heard this. 
most women have never heard this exciting news. And in fact, when I was a child back in the 1950s, uh, one thing was for sure, if you uh, were a girl, well, look at there never were woman priests within our church's history. And that's why um, not knowing of this information, that picture might be shocking, but I really find it exciting because when you think of it now, we learn, discover a whole new side of Mother Mary. And who else would be a, a better role model for the young girls growing up in the church than to realize that Mary, Mother of God, was a woman priest and her name was Mary Priest. Uh, the information is coming from a former priest, John Vingegaard, who had a book out on uh, woman's ordination in the Catholic Church. And beyond her being called Mary Priest, she had a title. She was the model for all priesthood in the Catholic Church. In other words, the priests would pray to her for their success. And some people might be thinking, okay, well, I never heard of Mary being ordained. At the time of uh, the Immaculate Conception, Mary received from the Holy Spirit the same anointing that Jesus did. And in fact, you go back into Hebrews 7.26, isn't it fitting that she is such a high priest. So Mary is um, the second priest beyond, um, you know, Jesus Christ. And thank you for sharing that, Margaret. And I know you did your uh, research into the early history of the Catholic Church, and you personally found it fascinating to learn about the previous hidden skeletons within the church's history. Is that why you allude to naming your book Scandal in the Shadows? Because there was some scandals that... <laughs> yes. you, okay. There what, definitely are scandals, but I also want the listeners to know Scandal can also mean omission. So here we have this large omission of Mary Mother's previous, you know, role. But uh, yes, there is a definite scandals within the shadows. And beyond woman priests, there were woman deacons, woman bishops, and woman apostles. So within that early history of our church, that um, heritage, religious heritage, if you will, was very present. And that's something, of course, today, which is, in a sense, it is hidden because the church fathers, unfortunately, have a very selective memory uh, when it comes to uh, this particular issue. So as your role in the church and a woman who has put out this factual um, book based on the research that you have done going back to early centuries and they're just tying it together just to bring awareness, have you suffered any repercussions or any form of, you know, kind of like doubt like from some of the others within the Catholic setting? Well, whenever I go out and pick it for woman's ordination, I'll tell you that's 
it is a real experience because unfortunately so many uh, fellow Catholics, I'm a member of the laity as well, um, they've never heard of this information. So it's like, I mean, who are these lunatics? Basically, who are these strange people out there with signs, you know, bring back uh, the original priests that are within our, was within our church history. Uh, and it's really a learning experience. Uh, so I will take, unfortunately, um, the emotions are, some people will get very angry. Their voice will get very elevated. They'll even tell me and others to go over to that other church a few blocks away. Uh, you're heretics. Um, but it's so sad because um, we're out there. And again, it's sad that we as the laity, the members of the congregation that are sitting in the pews, that we have to go out and in a sense, try to educate um, fellow Catholics to let them know this wonderful news, which is just entirely has uh, been hidden and will not be uh, recognized by their church hierarchy. So growing up, were you originally raised Catholic? And did you question some of, and if you were, did you question some of the ordinations that were taught to you at a young age? Uh, yes, since the time I was little, I was raised um, in an Irish Catholic family, you know, and we went to church. And um, in fact, um, my brother, as a birthday gift, received uh, from my mom, received a cardboard replica of a church altar. So Paul played the priest, and this is, I'm only maybe about five or six then. Uh, I was a twin sister, so the both of us grabbed some chairs, you know, and sat in front of this cardboard altar. And of course, Paul's behind it playing the priest. Well, everything was fine until a certain point when I stood up and I said, Paul, I want to be the priest. And I'll never forget this. He, you know, said, no, you can't be, you're a girl. You have to be a man. So I learned at a very young age that there definitely was a difference between what girls could do, you know, and what um, boys could do. But again, when you look back at that, that religious heritage, if you're a young boy, you see all these men, you know, like if you want to be a, a, a male priest, but what happens if you're a girl? Well, obviously, we never knew Mary was a, a woman priest. And Mary Magdala, unfortunately, for years was thought otherwise. <laughs> Uh, you know, had a sordid past, supposedly, but now uh, the church has finally recognized her, and she even has a, a feast day, a holy day, um, which is wonderful, but still, really, if you're a young girl, and you're in the church, you won't see women in those positions, priestly positions, because where is their religious heritage? That has completely, in every sense, been taken away from them. Yeah, you definitely do not see women uh, priests. So my my father was reared Catholic, and then he converted over to non-denominational. Um, and there are certain things that I did question about, like Catholicism. And then my mom was raised 
um, Anglican, which is, I guess, similar to Lutheran. So just very, very different. And then we've all been um, non-denominational and sat under an apostolic ministry for a few years. And sometimes women are just told to kind of just sit there behind the scenes and just go through the emotions. But then there's other things that are taking place in the church, which makes some people like, you know, church hurt where they end up turning away from the church and God because of some of the inefficiencies that's going on within the church setting. And that's one of your passion areas to talk about is some of the sexual abuses that um, happen under a priest. So would you like to share um, some, some of those experiences? experiences and why those experiences has made you more passionate to have open dialogues about it? Uh, yes, um, I've been picketing as well uh, against pre-sexual abuse. And in Buffalo, New York, back in 2018, a new bishop, uh, there was a new bishop and to, the long and the short of it is um, there was a news report and finally it came out that if the dioceses were saying there were X number of priests that were abusers, it turned out it was double, triple that amount. Well, anyway, within all these news articles, they had actual factual copies of a email that this bishop sent a cruise ship line. He was having trouble with this one priest. So what do we do? <laughs> he moved him everywhere. He moved him, you know, this place, that place, Let's put them out on the cruise ship. I mean, we can laugh about this, but this is really sad. And this priest as well was basically demoted from the former bishop. And then this new bishop comes in. I mean, it's just unheard of. And this same priest is reinstated. But um, picketing again, it brings up various emotions. Uh, this one lady came out in the wintertime and she flipped open her coat. And I thought, oh, my God, does she have a gun? I mean, really, seriously, because she was like, you're the heretics. You're causing all this dissension in the church. She had holy water and she was <laughs> starting to bless us. And I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm Catholic. I know exactly what's going on. But um, this idea that priests can basically rape children rape young adults, and there's no uh, penalty for that. Well, just something is terribly wrong. And for years, the church was contending, well, we got to keep this uh, hidden. This is a scandal. Well, what about ruining children's young people's lives forever? And then those people go on and obviously have problems with drugs, alcohol, and even commit suicide. Um, let's face it, Jesus didn't have any of this in his ministry. So why are we allowing this to currently be within our church? And again, um, there was a saying, pray, pay, and obey in the Catholic church, which was there for years. And it was awful because I think a lot of Catholics were very, became very complacent. You knew you just didn't speak out you didn't question. So obviously, I mean, this was a gold mine for the hierarchy. They could go on their merry way, you know, and there was no one really watching. Um, but even when I picketed with one other man, um, the, the diocese hired a former FBI agent for security. He called the Buffalo Police Department 
five police cars came by the church where I was with another man. I mean, this just wasn't a coincidence. You don't have five police cars arriving one after the other. He tells me to have a nice day. And by that time, there was one police officer on each side of my shoulder. There were two behind me. There was one in front of me. And from behind, I hear this, get across the street. Well, I was, you know, that did jar me. And I turned around and I said, officer, have they, uh, I was really confused. Did they change the uh, ordinance for picketing? And then a younger officer said, ma'am, we're asking you nicely to go across the street. So obviously I didn't want to get arrested. So I went across the street, but can you imagine if there was seriously some other type of an emergency where people needed the police and they had five police cars completely wasted on two adults, like I'm 70 now, uh, that was when I was 68 or 69, but I mean, seriously, um, it, it, it doesn't make any sense, but I want to be sure to get one thought in. Yeah. We're going on and on presently and debating, should women be priests? A lot of people don't realize back in 1976, the Pope has his own commission. It's a biblical uh, pontifical commission. They actually looked into the question of woman being priest. And back in 1976, you know what their conclusion was? There's absolutely no biblical evidence why woman can't be priest. So hello, what have we done? Nothing. 1974, there was an international theological uh, commission. How about let's look into woman as being deacons. They definitely found out there was a man, there was a woman, they were both on the altar, the bishop laid hands over them, officiated in prayer. They both received the chalice to drink from. The women were known as deaconesses. So my question is, by not acting on the 74 fi findings, our present Pope had opened up a whole new commission back in 2016. And where are we? We're still flailing somewhere. Um, I just don't understand. They have these commissions. They come out with definitive filings. One saying, yes, women can be priests. The other saying, yes, there were women uh, deacons. And what happens? Absolutely nothing. Wow. So you're looking back at history to present day and then just thinking about the future. It's like there has been really no change and what what you're advocating is that there needs to be change and we need to allow the truth to rise to the top and hold people accountable so that there could be equality across the board, whether you are a male or female priest, as long as you want to preach and teach the gospel, you should have the right to do so without feeling as if you're invaluable or feeling alienated. Definitely. So Margaret, uh, wow, 30 minutes has flown by. So I definitely want to give you the opportunity to share maybe 
five, five tips on how people could continue to do their research with this subject matter. And then we'll jump into the call to action. Okay, um, at my website specifically, it has everything. It has the latest Catholic books, uh, or I shouldn't say just Catholic books, but books that have been written by not only male researchers in biblical research, uh, Catholic sisters, uh, other uh, faith denominations that have all written on the subject uh, regarding woman priest, woman's ordination. And there's videos there too, the latest videos. Um, there's a, a real dynamic sister, Joan Chittister, they can look into. In fact, she has an, a book out, The Time Is Now. Um, I have a petition on there. If um, your listeners would like to look over that, and gee, maybe one of the points will really, you know, hit something with them. And I think, yes, that should be. I would love if you could uh, sign that. But more than anything, I would love for your uh, listeners to spread this word because I consider it more like a grassroot uh, initiative. You hear it, and it, if you could share it with your other family members, your good friends, relatives, because that's basically the only way that this information is going to spread. And if the laity can realize that this is the truth, then they can come together and hold the hierarchy accountable. But that will never happen until they know the truth. And thank you for sharing that. And Margaret, your website, I want you to plug plug your website and where they could connect with you on social media. So they have all of that information. And I'll also put it, I will also put it in the show notes. Oh, sure. My website, thank you, is yourradicaltruth.com, yourradicaltruth.com. And uh, everything is there, you know, if they want to connect or ask a question, uh, they can scroll down through the bottom and know the information there. And then the last thing, if they don't remember anything else from this segment, what is one golden nugget that you want to leave in the call to action for the audience? I want them to... Um, be able to spread this knowing that they're speaking the real honest truth. But the model for my book is here's to the truth. And I really think that's something that we've, we've lost in the last few years. And if you know something to be of the truth, you can speak about it from your heart. Amazing. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast, Margaret Mary O'Connor with Your Radical Truth. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. So scroll down and tap in with her and learn something new about this subject matter. Um, this subject matter and her subject matter expertise. So we could spread the mission of really getting women who are interested in becoming priests to be seen as well as heard, because that is what diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is all about making things fair across the board, no matter your race, your sexual orientation, your nationality, 
we are here to let you know that you matter and you have something incredible to offer this world. So make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see the video component by going to GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp on YouTube. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank each one of you for tuning in on a consistent basis to support the mission of GEMS, which is to bring educational, inspirational, and motivational topics and really promote D-E-I-M-B, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it takes all of us coming together to make this world a better place and really have those synergies that we long for. So until next Next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services, to be here on GEMS Podcast.